Mr. Benfica is a production of the PTB Media Network. All rights reserved. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, CastBox, Overcast, Himalaya, Pod Paradise, TuneIn, Breaker, and now available on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and also on Audible for Amazon Prime subscribers. As always, select episodes available on YouTube and, of course, at www.mrbenfica.com. Please like, share, and rate the show on your preferred platform. Enjoy the show. What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to another episode of Mr. Benfica. I am your host tonight in a absolutely hot, humid um, studio tonight here uh, in in my home, in my basement uh, in Worcester, Massachusetts, United States of America, where it is uh, about 90 degrees on the Fahrenheit scale. Very, very hot. Uh, how is everyone doing tonight? It is another night of Mr. Benfica. This is episode 119 for everybody. That's right, 119. How are y'all doing? It has been a long week for me, and I'm very excited to be here talking to all of y'all here, talking about Benfica and talking about this Champions League qualifier that we just played earlier this week. Now, working with a new camera tonight, so if I look a little strange, it's because I'm looking in a different spot tonight than I have been for the previous video episodes. Shout out to everyone watching live right now on Facebook, on YouTube, and on 
on Periscope, courtesy of Twitter. And shortly, it'll be on www.mrbenfica.com. And we're going to talk Benfica versus Spartak, of course, as the two teams squared off earlier this week in the Stadio de Luz as they played the second leg of their UEFA Champions League third preliminary round, okay? Um, what a night for Benfica. What a night for João Mario. And I think I'm going to start on this. And actually, those of you listening on the podcast, you just heard the audio. Okay, if you're listening just to the audio podcast, you just heard the stadium. At the end of the match, you heard the sound of 20,000 Benficistas singing and applauding their team and saluting their players. This is something that has been sorely missing. And I don't want to get ahead of myself. I really, really don't want to get ahead of myself because... I'd be setting myself up for disaster later. But I really think that this Benfica team is a little bit different this year. This is not last year's Benfica. I don't want to believe it is because a couple pieces have been changed. And I said last year, we could be just a few pieces away from having this thing resolved. And I think João Mario was that piece. And I can't believe I'm saying this, okay? I, I was so skeptical of this signing. I didn't have much faith in it, and I was wrong. This is a mea culpa right now. This is my mea culpa, okay? I was wrong. I was wrong about Joao Mario. All those years he was a Spartan player or a national team player, I never thought much of him. Of course, uh, what I'm learning is that I never watched him close enough. He says in his post-game flash, which you're going to hear in a little while on the podcast, um, that he, he knows what the mister, what George Jesus wants from him. He knows what his role is in this team. JJ said the same thing. Is it just me or is this a JJ that's much more focused, at least through these first three matches? Last year's JJ was completely lost. And yeah, maybe, maybe it's time to give some credence and some credit to that I don't want to call it an excuse, but maybe it was a reason the COVID outbreak throughout the team. Maybe that was a reason uh, things were so poor last season. Maybe that was a reason. Okay. I didn't buy it at the time and I'm still, I don't know. I don't know about, it, but this JJ is much more focused. He's making good substitutions versus bad ones. Okay. He is now got some players that play his game. Okay. He, the guys he has vouched for are here now, okay? Lucas Ferissimo is here. Um, João Mario is here. Roman Yaremchuk is here. I need to do another mea culpa. I have mispronounced his name through the first uh, two episodes of this season, and I think I mispronounced his name all summer on the miss, on the Parking the Bus podcast. It's Yaremchuk, not Yarmuchuk. So my apologies again to to him and to the any Ukrainian watching anyone of Ukrainian ancestry that understands the Ukrainian language. I apologize for completely butchering that name. Um, so, George Zuz has some of his guys now, and João Mario fits in this team like a glove, and I can't believe. And as I'm watching this game on Monday, on Tuesday. Joel Mario is winning me. Like I had already said, he was start. I was starting to feel different about him. When he scored that goal, I, I, I was, you know, I was, I was up off my feet, and I, 
And I'm saying, how am I falling for this player so fast? <laughs> how am I? This is twice now in a calendar year. Two players I I thought very little of. Two players I didn't. Two players I didn't really think had Benfica in them. Okay, or I should say, two players with previous clubs I could not stand. Nicolas Otamendi and El Romario come in, and both of them win me over almost immediately. Last year, Otamendi, the idea of Otamendi won me over before Otamendi's play actually did. So I was already optimistic when he arrived last year. João Mario ahead of me, you know, I was a little bit more skeptical. I didn't know how he was going to fit. This isn't uh, the Sporting team we saw him shine with or that everyone remembers him shining with uh, when JJ was the manager of Sporting. But you know what? It's starting to look like that team. It's starting to look like that team. You know why I say that? Jomari is playing in his role like he did. Ulian Weigel is Adrian Silva. Literally, the, the combination is there. The connection is there. It's almost like it's the same person. Um, and that was Adrian at his top. That was Adrian in his peak, okay? Not the Adrian that would come later. But that was at a time when Adrian was, was up here uh, and Jomari and him were combining well. Ulian Weigel is in that place. And... We've got a shout-out here, in investors in the house. So here it is, Investor1904. Yes, João Mario is a quality player who can play anywhere. I, I'm completely convinced. There's uh, there's no more convincing needed. I am 100% convinced in João Mario. I have enjoyed – I've really enjoyed this team this year. Three matches only, but I've actually enjoyed them. I have enjoyed the way we have played. And Tuesday was a good – patient uh performance from Befica okay um I'll get into it in a moment and when, when we get into the match I thought they were very very patient and I think that they adjusted quickly to what what Spartak were doing Spartak came out with a different with a different um approach and Befica adjusted quickly and then controlled the game from there uh one thing I want to talk about today before we get into the match okay today Befica signed a sponsorship deal for uh, a sleeve, okay? This causing a little controversy, and I don't really think it should be. Okay, so the online casino, Betano, has signed a, a deal with Benfica, a sponsorship deal to to be on the jersey and to sponsor Benfica. So people are upset about this. I'm, I'm seeing it in Twitter, and um, I I disagree. I don't uh, any we're it's an investment in our club. Okay, it's a it's a partnership. It's a sponsorship. Our club needs funds, and I just don't get what the stigma around an online casino. Okay, this show episodes of this show have been have been sponsored by an online, you know, a betting uh, website. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna uh, maybe I'm not as impartial as I should be. But because past episodes have been sponsored by more than one uh, online betting source. So I have received sponsorship in the past from not from casinos, but from online um, handicap websites, handicapping websites. And I, I make appearances on Better Than Dot Vegas from time to time. And I do some handicapping there, too. So I have a different view uh, of the betting game. But this is legalized betting. OK, and I some people just. 
I listen, we all have a right to our own opinions and you don't all have to agree with me. And I don't expect any, everyone to agree with me, nor do I want everyone to agree with me. That would make for, you know, why would I come on here and talk, you know, after each match? If I if everyone agreed with me, there'd no be no reason to say anything. Um, but I think, OK, I'm, I'm, I'm really surprised, actually, that so many fans are so against online <laughs> casinos or online betting websites. They, they have an issue with the league being sponsored by an online betting casino, an online casino. They have now an issue with with another one going on our our jersey. I saw somebody say it's not even one that's available in Portugal. It's betano.pt. It's online. It is not a physical brick-and-mortar casino, no. But, again, the, why the stigma around legalized betting, sports betting? It, it does not mean matches are going to be thrown. Plus, Portugal has has a dirty history in match throwing anyway, match fixing. Just look at our rivals up north, okay? Yes, I'll throw that accusation out there, okay? I have no problem throwing that accusation out there. We know things have happened, okay? They've accused us of the same thing. We know things have happened. That happened without, without you know, patronage or sponsorship from casinos, <laughs> from, from betting websites, okay? That is the future. That is who's investing in sports. Look around. Just look around. That is who's betting in sports. Look at the jerseys. Who watched the opener to the Premier League today? Who watched Arsenal lose again? Who read the jersey sponsor across the front of Brentford's jersey? Bet Hollywood, an online casino. Some people are just living in a utopia in their mind, I think, in a romantic place where they think, I know these are the same people that don't want to see any any sponsorship on the jersey. I don't want to, I don't want to burn any bridges with anybody. I don't want to insult anybody. I don't want to offend anybody here. But I, I strongly disagree that there's an issue with legalized gambling, regulated gambling, sponsoring sports. They have the most interest in sports. They have the most, the you know they have they. They want to fund these things, okay, because they have a very important interest in it, okay, and they're going to be a good partner as such. And, I mean, some are saying it's because this this board is a temporary board and that, you know, this president's an interim president. Fair enough, but business has to go on. And I'm sorry, but football is still a business. Yeah, did romantic fans don't like it okay and i'm very much a traditionalist okay but i'm not wearing this benfica basketball jersey here if not for if not for investment if not for business there's a sponsor right across the front okay uh if not it's not being shipped to my house by benfica if not for investment and business and people with money getting involved Okay, it's we got to stop demonizing and villainizing, vilifying, excuse me, anything that has to do with business. Football is a business. If you don't do business, you fall behind. Yes, I'd love the romantic ideals of a Benfica that had no jersey sponsor, that had that everyone's cottage was enough to fund the club. Yeah, that would be great. That's not what's going to happen in 2021. Do we want to keep with the tide? Do we want to keep with the pace? Or do we want to fall behind even more? You got to do business. 
You got to put business people in business positions. And if this was a good deal and there was a time frame for it and it needed to be signed, and if Betano said, you know, it's now or never, then this board is in place right now. Whether you think they're legitimate or not, they still have a job to do. They can't just sit there and do nothing. So, again, I I am in favor. Um, and investors saying the betting, this website looks cheesy. It may be cheesy, but it, I don't know. For me, it looks, it comes down to the financials and I haven't seen them. I haven't seen them, but I'm just talking about the concept. Let me see. I think he went in here. Why not sell shares to, yeah, I also took some heat on this because I agree that I think that the texter offer was a good offer. And, uh, well, I thought it should have been heard out, if nothing else, to send the guy away and to not bring it to the board and to not seriously consider it, I think was wrong. Um, from what John Texter has said is that he will make another proposal when things are more stable, when a new president is in or when either this president, Huikashta, wins an election or a new president is in place. He will make an, another formal offer, and he's hopeful of it. Um, I've said on this show before, I, I, I like John Texter. I am a happy customer of his, so I guess, again, I have a little bit of a vested interest. I'm also a shareholder in Fubo TV, so I will say that out front. So, yeah, maybe I'm a little too interconnected for some people, um, and maybe my opinion's a little biased, but um, I I... I agree with, with investor here. Um, I agree that revenue needs to come in. And if this man is wants to invest, he's not buying the club. He's not going to make himself president. He's buying, if my memory serves me right, 25% of the shares of the SAD. There's a difference. The SAD and the club are two different things. The SAD is a limited company. And... They have a right to sell shares if they want to. All right. So that's where I stand on that. We're going to take a short break. When I come back, I'm going to get into this match. Okay. Um, and we will we will talk about this one. Um, again, uh, Odie started in goal again. I'll talk about that in just a minute. Stay right there. We'll be right back here on Mr. Benfica. This is episode 119. And those of you listening on the podcast version, the audio, you're going to get some music now. Can't do that on YouTube. Got in trouble last week. That's why you didn't see the last episode until Wednesday uh, when I recorded it on on Monday, I think. Uh, there was a little bit of audio in there that YouTube did not approve of. So <laughs> there won't be any music or any audio tonight. We're going to take a quick break, and I will be right back. Sofrida a glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que não fico por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica 
Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Do que é nosso por direito Que não vi por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força Sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora Nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo All right, we're back here on Mr. Benfica episode 119. We're talking Champions League prelims. And let's go right to the lineups again. And if you're listening to the audio form on the podcast, you just heard João Mario in his postgame presser. And you just heard him talk about how he was asked about how well he's he's meshed with the team so quickly. And he was asked about uh, how he how he's combined so well. And he, he explained he has a history playing with PZ and he has a history playing with Rafa in the national team and he knows them well. But he said, most of all, he knows his role in this club and he knows what JJ wants from him. All right. Let's go to the 11, starting with the visitors from Russia, starting with Rui Vitoria's uh, Spartak Moscow. And I, I, as you know, like Rui Vitoria, okay? I, I like him more than most people do, than most Benficians, okay? He's got one heck of a project on his hands here. He has a lot of work to do, and that team is not ready for him yet, okay? So... I'm hopeful now that we have now that we have beaten them and we have advanced. I'm hopeful that um, Spartak are going to turn things around in the Russian league. I want to see success for Rui Vitoria. I won't. I won't be shy about that. I want to see success for Rui Vitoria going forward. In goal, in his four-three-three, he's got Alexander Maximenko. His four across the back: Nikolai Raskazov, Georgi Zikia, Samuel Gigo. And the Brazilian Ayrton Lucas. Three in midfield. Roman Zobnin in the center with Neil 
Yumarov to the right and Alexander Lomovitsky to his left. Up front, the Argentine international just returned from the Olympics, Ezekiel Ponce, uh, the former Ike Athens player, gets the start to his right. It is Bakayev to his left is Jordan Larson, of course. The son of one of my favorite all-time players, the son of Swedish legend Anrik Larsson. Um, for Benfica, they come out in their usual 3-4-3, and they're getting good at this formation. I'm starting to really – I've always liked the idea of it, and now I'm really starting to like how it's going. I'm starting to like the way that the system is, is playing, and um, I like the mismatches and the overloads that it is creating throughout the pitch. So Odie gets the start again. The, I was I was kind of in, starting to think we were going to see Elton in this match. I thought maybe the goal that that Odie gave up on Saturday was was not was not great. I thought maybe the goal that uh, I thought maybe JJ would have seen enough of Odie after that. He came out kind of haphazardly. He was unsure. He got dribbled and too easy in my book, but. He sticks with Odie, and I'm thinking that Odie is the number one. That, that, that to me, seals it. J.J. has chosen Odie Vakodimos as his number one goalkeeper, and that's the case. He's got my support, of course. I've always been an Odie fan, and it, it took me some getting used to when he was dropped last season, but then, you know, Elton put in some good matches, and he, he was you know, he was good for what we were doing. He was good with his feet. His distribution was better than Odie's. A bit. Odie's the better shot stopper, but here i'm thinking that elton can't be in good form something is, is is not right for him to lose favor with the manager this way unless Odie just just worked his tail off all summer and came in 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 top form once again perhaps that's what happened because he gets the start again in the greek international it appears to be once again Befica's number one uh three in the back no surprises here otamendi verissimo and vertongen um Vertonghen, of course, would leave this one injured uh, early at halftime, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the two wingbacks, Grimaldo and Diogo Gonçalves, with uh, with Weigel and João Mario playing as a double pivot in midfield. Very good double pivot. Um, these two look like they've been playing together for years. There is a great connection between these two. And it's almost like this is the partner that Weigel has been waiting for since he arrived at Benfica. He's been asked to do too much, in my opinion, since he's been inserted into this team. Okay. He's not an out and out six. He's not an out and out eight Weigel. He's something in between and he does a lot of things well. And I, I'm such a big player, a big, sorry, a big supporter of Uli and Weigel when others not, not necessarily are. I see that he has amazing quality. He's got good vision. I think there was some insert uncertainty on his part when he first came into this team. And even through last season, he didn't seem to fully understand what his role was with this manager. That seems to have been ironed out. And, of course, insert a super on-form Joel Mario. And Ulian Weigel is, is now not having to do so many jobs at once. I... Am very very happy with with this tandem right now, um, and then in the front you have Rafa Pizzi on the outsides, and Gonzalo Ramos gets the start again at striker, and I think Gonzalo Ramos has been playing quite well. He's doing the little things right now. He's not scoring goals, and I'm 
so many times critical of goals and assists. And goals and assists is something I hold in very high regard and something that I use to judge players, okay? When it comes down to player A or player B, I want the guy that gets goals and assists. I do, because you win the match by getting goals. You don't win the match with possession. You don't win the match with pretty play, okay? Um, I know some people see the game differently. That That's fine. But the, the, but what Hamush does off the ball, okay, he has absolutely run a marathon in, in uh, this season already. In these three matches, he has worked so hard. And at, at times as the lone striker because PZ and Rafa are not really playing as forwards. They're, they're lining up up there, but their spaces is coming back into the gaps, okay, between the lines, playing in those outside channels coming in, okay. Gonzalo at a lot of, a lot of the time has two defenders he's gotta he's gotta keep busy and he's doing that he's playing with his back to goal he's moving off the ball he's coming wide and opening space for other players runs he's winning balls he's he's you know tracking when he needs to and most of all he's applying pressure JJ's teams play best when they apply pressure okay you go back to JJ's 2009 2010 Befica okay that first team he had and the way they would just press and press and press. And, and if they lost the ball, they won it back. Okay, I think that's J, uh, still JJ's ideal football. Gonzalo gives him that. And uh, I'm not saying that, you know, he's going to be the only forward, obviously. We had a guy come in off the bench later in this one that that is going to have something to say about that. And we still have last year's, you know, you know second most goal scorer in Harris Seferovic. So, who's injured right now, but he will be back. It's it's a good problem to have for JJ right now with um, with the forwards he's got. He's got three really good forwards. It looks like Carlos Vinicius. I see the goodbyes to him all over social media. I see the thank yous, but I don't see him going anywhere yet. Um, we'll see what happens. He's probably going to leave. I'm sure he wants to play, and he's figured out that he's fourth in the pecking order now former golden boot winner, but it is what it is. All right, Befica come out. And Spartak, Ruby Tati Spartak, throw a little bit of a curveball in the start. They sit back a little bit more. You'd think they'd come out looking for a goal because they needed to score. They're behind in the tie, but they decide to kind of smooth it out, and they, I think they tried to ride out the first half hour or so of this match and wait for their chances to go forward, wait for their chances to make um, – do make an impression on this match, and I do apologize for the uh, the video quality. It looks like the stream is is experiencing some buffering right now. Um, I do apologize if if I'm hard to see, but again, getting back to it, Benfica figures it out. Okay, they they figure it out. They adjust and they start to move the ball and they start to find those overloads. The Diogo Salves and Grimaldo start to get forward. They start to create those overloads wide. And once again, Spartak not sure how to contend with them. In the 15th minute, we get a yellow card to Nicolas Sotomendi, who's fired up and just and just <laughs> uh, commits a bad foul on on uh, on Umarov, It looks like, but he sees he just sees a yellow card, and I think that. If you can need a little bit to settle down, but they start to, they start to here. And in the 17th, it's an attempt by Rafa. He gets set up by Weigel. 
and he shoots from outside the box, but just a, a little too high. Um, but if he can complete control here in the first half, even though they're not scoring and the opportunities are few and far between, they're in complete control. Remember, this is not like a league match. If you can have a 2-0 lead at the start of the match, okay, they can see out a 2-0. They're not going to take chances going forward to make it 3-0 on the on, on aggregate, okay? So they have to be more patient, and I thought they were good at that. I thought they were very patient, and they waited, and they held their own, and they held their... their uh, they held themselves, you know, calm, and they they kept their heads, you know, cool and level. In the 23rd, they had their best chance of the first half. It was Peasy, uh, who shows up, you know, arriving late in the box, which he does so well. Grimaldo cuts back, dishes the ball on the ground for him. Perfect, but his shot is blocked by Ayrton and um, could have nearly been uh, it could have nearly been 1-0. A minute later, he has another opportunity from outside the box. Left-footed. This one deflects. It hits Georgie Zikia and deflects up and over. But if you can nearly go ahead twice here in the 23rd minute. Yellow card in the 24th to Lomovitsky of Spartak as he fouls Diogo Gonsalves. Um, 25th minute, another opportunity, and it's Lucas Verissimo getting on the end of a cross from Diogo Salvage, but his header is blocked in the box. 26th, it's Rafa with an opportunity. So you see, Benfica still creating the opportunities, um, despite Spartak sitting deeper and trying to hold on. This time it's Rafa, left-footed shot from outside the box, and this one was blocked. Also set up by Diogo Salvage, getting a lot of good quality play out of the wingbacks. When they're allowed to play as attacking wingbacks they're both very capable and again i i love the the growth we've seen in diogo salves in the last 12 months um from a guy who was you know a midfielder an attacking midfielder to now being a wingback he's growing into that role he's finding the spaces he's finding the channels and his his guys vital verissimo they're finding him they know they know his runs he knows their through balls and this team is just starting to look like a team that has played together. And I think it's good that we didn't have wholesale changes after last season. I'm, I'm starting to see that it's worked out. That gamble, if it was even intentional, to just stick with the, the core and add a couple pieces is, is paying out, in my, in my opinion. Um, the players are starting to know each other well. And again, you insert a Joel Mario in this team, and all of a sudden it's like that missing puzzle piece, and he is like this link that just combines all of the different groups of players on the pitch. He combines the three you know, phases of, of the game, the defensive, the midfield, and the attacking phase. And he's just a good link-up player for everybody else. Uh we move forward, 36th, uh, Gonzalo Ramos will win a free kick. He's taken down by Samuel Gigo. Um, ensuing free kick goes nowhere, however, and then Spartak get a rare opportunity in the 39th. Nail Yumarov um, has a right-footed shot from outside the box, but high and wide. And it would be few and far between, again, for Spartak, for who you thought he side to, uh, in on the night. In the 45th, one more opportunity here. Ayrton, left-footed shot from outside the box, saved in the bottom right corner by Odi Vlacodimos. Again, very good shot stopper, and he was on his game once again. Our back three was very good in this game. I mean, Jan had some issues, and I've said Jan is is a, struggling a bit. I said it in the first two matches. 
the teams were picking on him. Well, we fast forward to halftime, and Jan is taken off for Moratu, and then Jan picked up a knock. Jan picked up an injury, okay? We're asking a lot of this player to play this many minutes, coming off a European Championship summer, okay? And coming off an eight-and-a-half-month full season, not 10 months, the same amount of matches crammed into eight-and-a-half months. When you get up to be Jan Vertonghen's age, you know, he's he's struggling right now. He He's being asked to do a lot. But I think this kid, Morato, is ready to step in. He, I thought I thought he was fine in the in the Portuguese Cup final last spring. I thought he was fine in the finale of the season when he came in. Again, I think he did he did fantastic in this one um, in the second half when he came on. For Spartak, um, you get an opportunity here in the 45th at the start of the second half. It is Ezekiel Ponce, the Argentine. He gets set up by Georgi Zikia. His right-footed shot from the center of the box, saved in the top left corner by Odiseas once again. And again, this game could have been much different if Odi doesn't make some of these saves. You can say they're routine, but if he does not make them, okay, he's had to go into the bottom corner and into the top corner once. But if he can fall behind 1-0 in this match, remember there's no away goals, okay? There's no away goals. If he could fall behind 1-0, you know, things can get very, very cagey, very, very on edge. So I'm glad that that Odiseas, you know, came up with some good saves in this one and kept Benfica level until they could find the, the winner. So if you're listening on the podcast, I'm going to fast forward here to the 56th minute. And those of you listening on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio. You get to hear Elder Conduzo's call of the goal. For the rest of us, just pause for about five, ten seconds. Estamos com 12 minutos no Estádio da Luz, transmissão PTV. Noite Europeia, de pré-eliminatória da Liga dos Campeões. Fica em vantagem da primeira mão de 2-0, com 0-0 na luz. Gasta muito a equipa adversária. Está a correr atrás da bola. João Mário recebeu de Rafa e devolve para Rafa. Dois campeões da Europa em 2016 para Portugal. Rafa faz o passo, fez a linda para a Diogo. Traga o Diário. So there it is. It is João Mario with the goal. Of course, he, he, this was after about two to three minutes of Benfica just passing and forcing Spartak to chase. Okay, Benfica's mo- circulating the ball like I haven't seen in years. To be perfectly honest, I mean it's just it's just it's it's going back to the really highs of the Bruno Lage era that first season. They're just moving the ball, pinging it around. Spartak feeling the urgency, knowing they need a goal, start to chase. They start to chase, and they run down, and they and they go after it. But then, you know, it gets it, – it, they, they start to run out of gas. 
and Benfica start to move it easier and easier and easier. It finds its way to to Weigel. Weigel puts it out wide. It goes to Grimaldo. Grimaldo brings it in. He finds Pizzi. Pizzi connects with Weigel, connects with, with Romario. Romario, uh, Diogo Salves, and Rafa all connect there in, in some intertwining passes. Eventually, Rafa gets the opportunity off a pass from Romario. His shot is blocked. Okay, it's blocked, but it falls right to João Mario, and João Mario picks out the far corner. Benfica take the lead 1-0, and I'm telling you, I popped for this goal. I was psyched to see João Mario score. I was psyched to see the way he celebrated the goal. He has bought into this team. He is happy to be here, and that makes me happy, and that should make all Benficistas happy. He runs and celebrates with the fans. His first goal in a Benfica kit and to do it in front of 20,000 fans. And let me tell you, I think we got the 20,000 fans, the right 20,000 fans in the stadium for this night. We've talked, you know, we talked in the past when we had full stadiums or or 50,000 in the stadium and 25,000 pour out early. All right. To beat traffic or they're taking selfies or they're playing with the flashlights. We got the 20,000 that are there to support the team because nobody left this match early. Nobody stopped singing. This this was phenomenal. Again, I like I said about the game in Moreira dos Conegos, I could take the DVR recording, play it all night while I sleep, play it on a loop. I'll listen to that all night, the sound of Benfica fans singing over and over and over. It was phenomenal. And they're rewarded with a goal from João Mario. Mifika in complete control after that. And in the 64th, we get the substitution we've been waiting for. Roman Yaremchuk comes in. Gonzalo Ramos gets a much-deserved rest. Yeah, he didn't have too many opportunities in this game, but he did a lot of things off the ball, and he opened space for his teammates. And he was also involved in that goal. I, I mentioned, you know, I mentioned... Diogo and, Ra- and Rafa and Romario combining. Gonzalo Ramos got in there too in the combination play. It was just a lot of ball circulation, turning the Spartak players in circles and really wearing them out before it opened up for a shot. Uh, so Yarimchuk comes in. Everton comes in as well, replaces PZ. Um, Rui Vitoria makes two substitutions of his own. Czech Republic international Alex Kral replaces Umarov. And Mirzov replaces Bakayev. Um, Jordan Larson picks up a yellow card in the 67th. This is Benfica. At this point, it looks like Spartak had had given up on the match. It looked like Spartak had called it a day. They're you know the, they're not really getting much going forward. They're conceding. Uh, Weigel picks up a yellow card for a foul that you know needless to say uh, the match was in complete control and. I'm concerned with how many yellow cards Ulian Weigel is picking up in this team because he is a clean player. But it's like every time he commits a foul, he's getting a yellow card. Everton with an opportunity in the 73rd. Grimaldo sets him up with a right-footed shot from the center of the box, but he puts it over. Substitution in the 77th. That's it for Diogo Salves. He gets a rest as well. Good effort. Um, great shift put in by Diogo Salves. Gilberto comes in, the on-form Gilberto who will be featuring tomorrow for Benfica, obviously, as as Diogo is suspended. And Gilberto comes in and continues his form, in my opinion. Not a liability at all. Um, a good option wide on the pass, on the outlet pass. Uh, combining well with his you know midfielders 
finding his support, appearing in support when necessary, tracking when needed. Uh, Rui Vitoria makes a double substitution in the 80th. Sobolev comes on for Ponce, and Ignatov comes on for Larson. As, again, Befica just dominating the play here, looking for a second. They look much more likely to get the second than Spartak does to, to get a first. And at this time, Spartak, no, it's up. Five minutes to play, and JJ gives Rafa a, his standing ovation moment. Rafa Silva subbed off. Adele Tarap comes on. And unfortunately, not, not a lot of minutes for Adele Tarap. I think Adele Tarap is a perfectly good 30-minute player for me. I think that's that's what's in his tank at this stage in his career. I've said it before. Um, I've been highly critical of Adele Tarap. But he has his place in this team. And I think it's to play. You know, in a match like this, I would brought him on a little earlier. But, hey, again, J.J. is coaching quite well in these first three matches, okay? I think I like his substitutions. I like his his starting 11. There's a question of goalkeeping. But, again, we're, that's one position where you have to be in there every single day to know exactly which goalkeeper is ahead of which goalkeeper, you know, which one's ahead of the other. And not being in there, not witnessing training, also, the goalkeeper coach has a big say in that as well. He knows them both very well. Uh, but if you can see it out, and then in the 90th plus one, we, we get the insurance goal, if you will, to put it away and to lock our spot and to book our trip, if you will, to the playoff a date with PSV Eindhoven of the Dutch Eredivisie. Uh, it is Roman Yarmachuk coming down the right. He takes a shot. It's blocked but it is redirected by Samuel Gigot into his own goal. 2-0 to Benfica. Let's hear from Roman Yarmuchuk on the on the podcast, okay? On the video, I'll tell you and just count to five and I'll tell you uh, what he said. Hello, uh, hello Yarmuchuk. Uh, first match at Stadio de Luz and first goal. How did you feel? Of course, I'm happy, but... Uh... For the moment, it's a little bit difficult. I didn't have pre-season, and I start every training to be better and better. So uh, I need a little bit more time. But uh, atmosphere is so good in the stadium. Uh, I want to say thank you to coach for uh, for support to give me the time and uh, all the fans. I want to say thank you. So I'm so happy to be here. And how was it to play in front of the home crowd, in front of the Benficaistas? It's uh, it's amazing feeling to to play for Benfica. I'm very proud uh, that they play here and. Uh, much harder to be better and score much more goals. And what do you think you need to do to get to know uh, better your teammates? Time. Uh, time. I need to speak Portuguese also. I want to speak Portuguese. Uh, but for the moment, uh, Portuguese people is so good. They give me a lot of support. And uh, I'm, uh, for the moment, I'm happy and uh, I just enjoy Thank you and congratulations. Ficou aqui as palavras de Yaremchuk, muito satisfeito pelo gol na estreia, elogiou o ambiente na luz e também o carinho dos portugueses. Roman Yarmuchuk there. Uh, Yaremchuk, there I go. I have to learn to pronounce this name correctly. <laughs> I promise to get better at that. He's saying there, you know, uh, he's it's early in the season for him. He just arrived. He doesn't know his teammates. Uh, he says everyone has been great to him. He's thankful to the manager for giving him the opportunity to play 
And I like what he said at the end. He says, I need to learn. They asked, what do you need to do? I need time, Roman said. I need time to acclimate. He says, I need to learn Portuguese, as he said. Yes, I like that. There are players that come into this league and stay years and years and years and don't learn Portuguese. We have one in our team. Okay. I also failed to mention at halftime, great moment at halftime, honoring Pedro Pichardo and Fernando Pimenta. Speaking of speaking Portuguese, nobody can criticize Pedro Pichardo, right? He needs to be credited for how good his Portuguese is after such a short time. Okay. Again, we have a player in this in this club. Okay. A player on the pitch here at the end of the match who's been in Portugal a whole lot longer than Pedro Pichardo. And Pedro Pichardo's Portuguese. It, yes, it has a, uh, a Spanish accent, a Cuban accent, but it is Portuguese. He is trying and succeeding for the most part in pronouncing the words in Portuguese. And uh, I like just the way that the two of them were received at halftime, both Pimenta and, and uh, Pedro Pichardo are two Olympic medalists. And I love the way Benfica Nation warmed up to them. And, the you know, Pimenta is a lifelong Benfiquista. And Pichardo, you can just see the gratitude in his face. He is so grateful to be in Portugal. He's so grateful to be at Benfica. He, he does not take anything for granted. And he signed every autograph and took every selfie that was asked of him. He was out there well past the start of the second half. So I want to give a shot to those guys as well. But Yaremchuk there talking about how he needs to learn Portuguese. I like that. I like a player that wants to work for his place. Okay. And JJ said in his press conference at the end, the play, he was asked if Yaremchuk's preseason is over now. And he answers it hasn't even started. <laughs> he said that Yaremchuk's preseason hasn't even started. Which is true. He just arrived. He does not know the movements of the team. He does not know the movements of his teammates. He can only spe he speaks English, so he can speak to a number of the players. But I'm sure he doesn't understand the terminology. I know he can't possibly understand George Jesus yet. Um, that's something that only comes over time. And I like his work rate. I like that we have players in this team with solid work rate. Gonzalo Ramos, Roman Yaremchuk, João Mario. Okay. Um, you know, both of the wingbacks, good work rate. Julian Weigel's got a good work rate. It doesn't always look like it, but he has a very good work rate. Uh, and again, I liked what I saw last week from, from Miete as well. I like that there's been some work rate and some blue-collar steel injected into this team. Um, it's early, very early days. I'm not trying to get ahead of myself, but it was, you know, a very good professional performance from Benfica in this one. Taking care of business, doing what they had to do. They saw it out. They saw it the results. They got the goals. They sent the fans home happy. There was not one supporter that went to the stadium that was not thrilled when they went home with what they saw. Um, a good job done by all manager, players, board, uh, organizers, stadium staff, everybody. It seemed to have, everything seemed to go on perfectly. And 
congratulations to Benfica. They advance now. And you see there at the bottom of the screen, those of you watching, the dates for the matches against PSV Eindhoven. Uh, we have August the 18th at the Luge. That is next Wednesday. Um, I believe it's a 3 p.m. Eastern time here in the United States. Kickoff, 8 p.m. in Portugal, 20 o'clock Portuguese Standard Time. And then the following Tuesday, which I am thrilled about that it's on Tuesday the 24th in Eindhoven, the deciding uh, match. Now, in Eindhoven, they're going to be at full capacity, is what I'm told. Okay, That in, in the Netherlands, they're already allowed to go at full capacity. I'm glad that match is on Tuesday because on Wednesday I'm traveling. Okay, I'm on vacation that week. I've not had a vacation in the four years. I've five years I've been working these two jobs at the same time. So I'm headed, I'm getting in the car, I'm going down to Virginia Beach on on uh Wednesday the twenty fifth, and I'm psyched that Benfica's playing on the fourth. I got a comment here from investor. I'm going to put it up on the screen for you. It's a four day rest. Lots of people were scared. They wouldn't rest enough for the game tomorrow. Yeah, that's a fair point. It is a fair point. Um, we'll see tomorrow. I, th I think tomorrow we're going to see a lot of the same guys we saw last Saturday. I think JJ's managing this early phase, this first match. I could be wrong, but I get the sense that he's managing this first month of the season or first three to four weeks of the season where we have weekend, midweek, weekend, midweek with these two uh, somewhat different lineups, okay? I think, um, obviously, he could go to a back four, but I think he's going to stick with a back three because Moratu fits in perfectly in Vertonghen's spot. I don't see a need to change. I won't be surprised if we see the return of Gildias on the left um, to rest Grimaldo for, the for Wednesday's match i obviously we're gonna see um gilberto on the right uh we may see miete once again i don't know i don't know if we're gonna run with Beigel or we're gonna run with miete tomorrow um that's gonna determine fitness last week Weigel could not go 90 uh, jj said it as much so i would be okay seeing miete again i mean we have Mario available i think he looks fit he looks okay to go um you got more. Yeah, it, 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 we're playing every four days. That that is that is true. We're playing every four days. It's a very difficult part of the season to be playing this many matches in this short of a of a of a time frame. I said that last last week that it, it, it's 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 a mistake. It's something we did to ourselves by coming in third place. So I'm not going to make an excuse, but it is a very very difficult way to start a season. So, again, he, he he's subbing players, I think, with that in mind, too. He's making 60th-minute substitutions with that in mind. The players that can't play tomorrow played a little bit longer. Uh, maybe Rafa rests again. As, uh, as a result, he played until the 85th minute. Uh, I think the manager is very confident in his bench right now. And I think the players on the bench are confident in themselves. Last week's game against Morirens, I think really helped boost the confidence. And I think they're going to go into tomorrow's game against Aroca confident as well. And let's see here. He says last week it was three days between games. Yeah, you got one less. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, we'll see what, where he goes with this one. Um, there is one extra day rest this week. He's right. So 
maybe we won't see as many changes, but what will happen is next weekend we, we're back to the three-day because we play on a Tuesday the following week. So I, I do think that JJ and his staff have this planned out. I think he's got two set lineups that he wants to use. He may not It may not be the same exact lineup we saw last Saturday, but I know there's certain changes he wants to implement. Um, I, I say I know. I, I sense. I, I don't know. I'm not there, but I sense that he has – he has this planned out, and um, again, I I think he's doing a good job this season. I, uh, I've i been critical of him in the past. I think right now he is getting everything on point, and I have no reason to doubt him. Let's look at the goal point right now and look at some of the player ratings for this match. As I'll bring it up to your screen here, and we'll bring up the goal point right there. So the XG for this match... Spartek have a 0.3 XG. That's a good defensive performance, obviously. Benfica with a 1.6 XG. Benfica's average rating is 6.44. Spartek's 5.29. Let's look at the rating starting with the visitors, the opponents. Maximenko in goal, 6.1. He was Spartek's highest rated player. Raskakov was a 4.9 Jigo, 5.7. Zikia, 5.7. Ayrton, 5.3. Bakayev, 5.5. Hendricks, 5.4. Umarov, 5.8. Zobnin, 5.5. Larson, 5.1. Sobolev, 3.6. Off the bench, Ignatov had a 4.7. Vic, uh, Moses had a 5.2. Kral, 5.0. And Ponce, 5.0. Oh. And actually, I am looking at the wrong match. That is my fault. I'll fix this right now. It's this one that I want. My apologies, everybody. It is late, and I've been awake since 2 o'clock in the morning. No excuse, but it is a reason. Here we go now. Benfica's XG was actually only at 0.9. Spartex 0.3. So Benfica defensively held them at bay both matches pretty much equally. Befica's rating 5.97 is their average rating. Okay, here's the ratings for Spartek, uh, 4.5 for Meskomenko, Ayrton, 4.9, Zikia, 6.3, Zigo, 5.6, Raskazov, 4.4, Bakayev, 4.9, Zobny, 4.2, Umarov, 4.8, Lomotsvinsky, 5.2, Ponce, 5.5, and Larson, 4.8. I would say these are the players I remember playing. And you see off the bench, Mirzov 5.0 and Kral 4.9. For Benfica, Odi 6.3, another good performance um, in this in these two in these two legs. He was very good. Diogo's got a 6.0, Verissimo 5.9, Otamendi 6.4, Vertonghen with the 5.4. Not as good for him. He had a t- but he only played half the match. That affects your rating. Grimaldo 6.8 down the left side. He did a, a a monster job going forward and causing overloads down that left flank. Rafa, 5.8. Weigel, 5.4. Jomadiu, man of the match, according to to uh, goal point, 7.1. PZ, 5.8. And Gonzalo, 5.3. Here is, we'll look at Jomadiu's performance first as the man of the match here. A goal, uh, one cross, and it was it connected. He had an 89% pass efficiency. Um Eight passes in proximity. He had two dribbles attempted, two successful. 
two defensive actions in the opponent's midfield with uh, three blocks of the opponent's pass or a cross. And you see in his heat map here where he likes to play. He was really he, he was owning this part of the pitch right there down the right the edge of the right center to the right channel. Okay, right in that area there. He got, like I said, he combined really well with Diogo and with Rafa in this area. Uh Gonzalo as well. And it was uh it was a good game from Joel Mario. Here's the statistics now. Uh ten Shots for Benfica, seven for Spartak. Only one on goal. That one went in, of course. So there were the goalkeeper with no no saves. However, still 27 actions in the opponent's uh, penalty area to 11. Um, Benfica with two-thirds of the possession and getting it into Spartak's end of the pitch, you know, for the majority uh, of that and possessing in dangerous areas, which is when I, I like to see possession when it is in dangerous areas. Five corners to one for Benfica, 90% pass efficiency across the board for Benfica, 76 vertical pass. That is, that is a really good, uh, vertical pass percentage and Benfica are usually in the 60s. So this is a good improvement for them. And you saw a lot more, you know, you saw Weigel going forward a lot more, okay? A lot of criticisms that a lot of people have on Dromadio and on Weigel is the use of, of lateral passes. But when you play with three backs and two wing backs and two, you know, um, attack-minded midfield slash forwards the way that PZ and Rafa played, you know, in that, in that, right and left center channels, you're going to make a lot of passes uh, that are lateral and that you're going to get the team moving side to side. You're going to open up the holes for the vertical passes. But if you had 15 defensive actions in Spartak's uh, midfield, which is a good number, means they're pressing. And Spartak with only nine. Spartak committed 17 fouls to Benfica's 11. And like we said, Benfica 67% of the possession. All right. So that will close the book here on the Champions League um, third qualifying phase. A few notes I want to say. Like I said, you know, PSV is next. The dates are there at the bottom of your screen. Uh, The 18th and the 24th of August, the first leg in Lisbon, the second leg in Eindhoven at the Philips Stadion. Um, One result to talk about today in the Liga and that is Istriel drawing nil-nil against against Vitoria Sport Club or Vitoria Guimarães, and not a good start for the Conquistadores Dominio. Um, and Dave is in the house. Dave Pereira, what is up, Dave? He's saying let's go, let's get to the money. Liga B win. Yes, let's get to the money. <laughs> um, I said there in the beginning. I I have no issue with with online betting sites being influxing cash into our league and into you know my club i'm sure dave doesn't mind it going into his club and actually dave since you're there in the chat uh what do you think about your big game tomorrow for those of you who don't know dave is a, is a braga fan and i really respect that um they got a big one tomorrow against sporting and yes he does say a tough start for vitoria and i'm genuinely concerned for peppa and I wanted to talk about this, even though it's not Benfica related, because I see this happen, especially in Portugal. 
so often. A manager has a good year with a team, okay? A manager has a very good year with a team, like Peppa did with Pasuj last year. Qualifies them for Europe and then goes to a team behind where he finished. Now, I know Vitoria is the fifth club in Portugal, okay? I put the, those five above everybody else. You have your, you know... You have your big four, and I'm not. I have not been shy that I say the big four. Braga, for me, for a decade now, are in are in the big four, okay. And I put Vitoria right behind them, and if not on the pitch, in terms of the size of the club, and in terms of support, and in terms of impact, they are there. They are one of the big five. Um, tough, tough start for Vitoria. One point from two matches again. Peppa. Gave up the chance to coach in Europe. Maybe I'm just looking at this too much from a sporting sense. I talked about the business side of the game at the beginning of the, of the episode tonight. Um, very, you know, I I like the business side. I mean, I like reading sports business journal. And I like reading about the business side of sports. But from a sports sense, from a competitive sense, I wish Peppa had stayed at Passos de Fajeda and seen out this second season. He had something there. And he took this project at Vitoria. I know it's ambitious, and I know it's a step up, especially in perception, and I'm sure in terms of pay. And that's, I'm sure, the, the driving force. But from a football standpoint, it's sad to me that Peppa is not going to be the one leading Passos Fajeda out in their playoff round against Tottenham Hotspur. It's 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 disappointing to me that Peppa's not the guy leading Pasfajeda out this season to try to maybe go one higher and get into the Europa League, perhaps. Maybe win a cup, win the League Cup this year, or compete for it, push for the Portuguese Cup. It's hard to get in the Europa League right now. And Dave makes another good point. He says it's pay plus the funds to buy players. Yes, it's true. There are some high salaries in that Vitoria team. Um, but again, talking just from the football sense, and Dave's got some some good insight here. So I'm going to keep playing, putting his his comments up here. He says he spent so much time at Tondela. Dave's talking about himself. Oh no, I think he's talking about himself, or maybe he's talking about Peppa. Spent so much time at Tondela. He has to think that he can get two or three players he feels he needs, and that could be it. Yeah, he 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 corrected himself, and he said he spent the time. Uh, talking about Peppa at Tondela. Yeah, eh, I hope Vitoria have the patience in him because they didn't have the patience in Tiago last year. Okay. If you're going to, and Peppa's, you know, worlds more experienced than Tiago was. Uh, Peppa's proven himself. So he has to be given time to start this project at Vitoria. And I do, I want to see Vitoria and I want to see Dave's Club Braga. You know, push closer to that that the top three. I want to see them in there, and I want to see this league be more competitive. It's better for all of us. Okay, it's better for all of us, and we'll be more competitive in Europe if we're more competitive domestically. So I'm rooting for Peppa, and I am I am genuinely concerned for his future. And again, he's asking, Dave is asking me if I think Tiago left because they didn't hold their end of the bargain. Very, very possible, uh, especially for a young, inexperienced manager. He may have been taking all of the Kool-Aid that they were 
given him to get him to come in and then got there and the reality was something different. Um, I have not heard or read anything from Tiago. I don't even know where he's working now. If he's working, he may be still on Vitoria's payroll for all I know. I can't right now think of it. But um, again, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this Vitoria team. Now, tomorrow, Benfica play 1 o'clock Eastern time again. I love that time, at least living here on the East Coast. I, I, you know, I get out of work in time tomorrow to watch the match. That's good, and it's not later in the day, so um, I like the 1 o'clock. I like when they play in the daytime. I like seeing the old-school, you know, sun-covered pitch, yeah, especially this part of the season when, when we're still in the summer. Um, it, it looks great on television, so I'm excited for Benfica tomorrow. Um, but Braga versus Sporting at 3.30 also, or 3.30 my time here on the East Coast of the United States, 8.30 in Portugal. Um I'm interested to see how this match is gonna is gonna is gonna play out. Um, got the Ishgayu brothers going up against each other. Um, that's always fun. You've got Ruben taking on his former team, Paulinho taking on his former team, Paiña taking on his former team. There, there's you know there's a lot of guys that have been on both of these teams, um, and it could be the first the first uh, big match in the Liga this year. It is the first big match in the Liga this year, but it could be the first one to impact the table. We'll see who leads the league after this round, too. Be very, very, um, it'd be very interesting to see, and I'm hopeful that this is going to be an entertaining game, and again, Bra uh, Dave is saying that Braga is in better shape for this with the return of four players from suspension from last year. Uh, yeah, I'm 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 hopeful. I'm very hopeful for Braga. Obviously, I'm rooting for Braga. There's no question. <laughs> They're playing Sporting, so there's no question who I'm rooting for in this one. Um I would just I was interested to see Dave's take on it uh as that is his club and the game is up there. It's in the quarry, so it could be a very uh could be a very interesting game. Could uh, could could Braga pull this off? Perhaps. I mean, they gave, they played them tough in the in the Super Cup. So, um, Sporting needed a a turnaround. They needed a comeback to win it. So tomorrow, put your TVs on. Uh, whatever wherever you live, put them on the channel that carries Portuguese football. Okay, for me, it's on Gold TV here in the United States. I don't typically watch Benfica on BTV. I tend to watch them on Gold TV. Because I wanted less bias uh, commentary, I want a little more analytical commentary. To be honest, um, and uh, Dave just said in the chat that that Braga have played better th three of the last four matches, but have picked up zero points. That's football. That's true. Uh, maybe this is the time that it turns itself around. It's an early season match. We'll see. We'll see what happens if Sporting uh, if Sporting start to feel a little pressure it should they fall behind this isn't a super cup now this is the league and there's points on the on the line so uh see what happens i i'm excited i'm excited for you dave i'm excited for for this whole weekend of football the premier league's gotten underway la liga and the bundesliga start tomorrow i can't wait i hope everyone enjoys watching football this week i'm gonna get out of here now it is 10 p.m my local time, and I've got to be up at 3 a.m. for work, so I'm getting out of here. Uh, I hope everyone has enjoyed this episode. I'll be back Sunday night 
to recap tomorrow's game against uh, against Soroka and get you ready for PSV next week. All right, thank you. This has been Mr. Benfica's episode 119. I'm the Mr. Mike Agustinho. If you're watching live, you see my Twitter handle up there. Follow me. That's at Mike Agustinho, at M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O. And don't forget to follow the show at, at uh, Benfica Mr. on Twitter and on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. All right, I'll see you guys Sunday night. Have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy. And Cajaga Benfica, Damu 38. And good luck, Praga, of course. Good night, everybody.